What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph and the Mage. Sorry for the delay, but we are back with some actual draft content. Murph, what is up? How are you? Doing well, man. It's like Christmas morning, just unwrapping some presents under the tree, figuring out all the good stuff for 2020. How was your weekend, Mr. Mage? Uh, it was good. I mean, the Giants didn't draft a running back fourth overall or a quarterback, so... um gotta say it was a pretty good day i have to agree I'd, I'd say the weekend started off nicely on thursday didn't see a lot of tears after mr thomas became a giant so uh you know it was a nice little comfortable weekend on twitter this weekend didn't seem like much fighting and a lot of agreement that's a good point too because people that usually bicker and complain about everything that dave gettleman does and the giants did was uh positive news from a lot of people so a lot of different uh sources that typically you know, down in the dumps uh seem pretty positive about this draft so before we get started make sure you follow us on twitter and on instagram at murph and the mage follow me on twitter at the mage underscore nfl and follow my co-host murph at one Murph Blue. Murph so let's get started then what are your initial thoughts on this draft my thoughts are hashtag the king is protected <laughs> uh, i've been beating that horse for i uh, feel like six months now no it's uh it's different and and when I say that, not in a bad way, it feels good to finally address some positions on this team that we've completely ignored for years and kind of stack up the competition and all the position rooms. And I'm feeling good, man. You know, we've cried about O-line and linebackers and our uh, secondary getting its top blown off the last two years. And spent 100% of the picks on all three of those positions. So um, I'm happy, man. I think I kind of said this on Twitter. It was a solid draft from Dave Gettleman. It wasn't a sexy draft. It was fundamental. They went back to basics. You kind of stole my line, but they did. They used 100% of their draft capital on three positions. They used 100% of draft capital on the offensive line, defensive backs, and linebackers. Two positions, even three to that extent, that fans constantly complain about that they don't address. We drafted three offensive linemen, three defensive backs, and four linebackers. I mean, talk about addressing something that's been ignored for a while. Now, granted, I know a lot of those were seventh-round picks with the linebackers, et cetera, but still... They did get some really good value there. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, um, I, I totally agree. You know, they're, they're building through the trenches, and I, I haven't had a time to look at everybody's film so far, but I did start digging into the later round guys yesterday, and what I kind of came to conclusion was was – the edge wasn't as strong as we thought in this draft because a lot of other teams passed on edge the entire day. We freaked out all day long. Who's going to rush the passer? Who's going to rush the passer? And then bam, last three picks are edge rushers from, well, two edge rushers from the big 10 and one from the sec who plays inside linebacker. So um, for me, I was pretty excited about that for, because I'm biased and actually I'm not really biased. I'm a Syracuse fan, but to me, the, the, pros come from the big 10 and the the sec so um, when i look at what we did this weekend i see all sec guys and all big 10 guys um and a couple pack 12 guys sprinkled in there and then you got matt pert from yukon so um to me it, it i like to think that the staff got to the right places when they were scouting this this offseason and they definitely used their time to their advantage overall i guess what would you give 
Dave Gettleman as a grade for this year's draft then? Uh, I was actually thinking about that yesterday, and I was going to put it on the timeline, but I, I never got a chance to grade it. I don't like grading because PFF grades, but I think for me, from a fan standpoint, I'm going to give him a B. And you can call me a homer. You can put it a B minus whatever, but he addressed things that we haven't addressed in a long time. And specifically the O-line. I mean, three O-linemen that could potentially all be starters in two years. I haven't seen that in my lifetime from a Giants draft. So, you know, we knew he was going to build from the trenches and from the inside out and, you know, it's taken a little bit longer than we had hoped, but this just shows that there's a new direction with our management And this also shows that Joe Judge definitely had his fingerprints all over this. You know, there's a ton of coaching connection things or coaching connection points on all these picks. You know, you got the connection with McKinney down in Alabama with Saban or excuse me, Saban and Judge. Um, we've always had a connection with Georgia prospects. I'm not really sure where that came from, but you know, Andrew Thomas third year in a row, we've taken the Georgia bulldog. And the other one that stands out for me is the, the linebacker from Penn state, you know, Sean Spence is definitely familiar with that kid. So as we all know, the giants like to lean on their staff for advice. And I, I definitely see that happen happened in this draft. Um, but it feels like Joe definitely had a little bit more say than previous coaches what do you think yeah I think so and if you're bringing in somebody from the New England Patriots system let's face it you're not bringing them in so that you can tell him what to do right you're looking for advice you're looking for guidance you want to see how that organization was run I mean he's a disciple from the best coach in NFL history so you're not bringing him in and then you're shutting down his ideas and telling him that you're going to do it your way. So, yeah, I agree that Joe Judge definitely had influence in this draft and it shows, too. Also, I do think that this was I, a lot of people aren't giving Dave Gettleman credit for this draft, but I will tell you this. This is a Dave Gettleman draft. This is exactly how Dave Gettleman likes to build his teams at the offensive line, get his hog mollies. You want to point to 2018. That's fine. I don't. I think he was under a director from John Mara. I think he took the general manager position knowing that, that he had to win now. I'm excited because I truly think that this is the first year, and probably last year really started it with Daniel Jones with the sixth overall pick. But I really think that we're kind of maybe seeing where the management and the coaching is aligned in philosophy, which is great news, right? So I really dig that a lot. I think this is going to be a really good team going forward. I think that Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman are on the same page, which I really like to. It all depends how it translates to wins. So we have yet to see that. In terms of the actual draft, I'm going to go ahead and give it a B plus. I would give it an A, but the problem is those four seventh round picks, even though that they do have some promise and some upside, I would have preferred to trade some of that capital to try to move up and get some maybe quality players elsewhere. But the first four picks, I really do. I like them a lot. So I said on our podcast and I said on Twitter as well, you don't draft an offensive tackle fourth overall unless he can play the blind side. And that is exactly what the Giants got. The Giants got a day one starting left tackle in Andrew Thomas. And I love that. I love that pick, right? So I'm all on board for that. And then to have Xavier McKinney fall to you at 36, who was the best safety in this draft? I mean, you're talking about a better version of Landon Collins. Yeah, I mean, Xavier being there in the second... I'll come out and say I didn't want a safety in the second round. You know, I, I like Jordan Lo- or Julian Love a lot, and I was thinking that they were going to go with him there. But um, when I read the quotes from Gettleman and Judge, 
you know, they had a trade in place for that pick. And they said the only way they weren't going to pull the trigger on that trade was if their guy was on the board at, at 36. And sure enough, Xavier McKinney was sitting there right at the top of the board, got praise from Nick Saban. So, um, you know, it doesn't shock me that they went with their guy. Like you say all the time, if your guy's there, you got to go get him. Yeah, we probably could have benefited in some uh, in picking up another day two pick. I don't care. Xavier McKinney is sitting on that board at 36. Get your guy. If that yeah, was no, guy on your board that you were hoping and you had him as number one after Andrew Thomas and he just happened to fall to you at 36, you go ahead and you get him. I don't care. I'm okay with not trading back. Yeah, we could have probably picked up another piece, but this was a really good draft from Dave Gettleman. And then not only that too, you know what? I love Dave Gettleman doubling down and then going after Matt Pert with the 99th pick as well, which we'll get into a little bit later, but now this opens up the door too. Now you have your starting left tackle, possibly your starting right tackle, along with Will Hernandez, Kevin Zeitler, and Shane Lemieux, who might be a starting center. You got your offensive line fixed in one draft to protect the king, right? Daniel Jones. I love this draft. I can't say enough about it. Only reason I don't give it an A is because too many of those picks late. I don't think they're, res- they're necessarily going to have an impact on this team. So let's let's think about this a little bit. You know, I, I think you make good points, but I also think that judging by these O-line picks and the linebacker picks, uh, I feel like the staff kind of put a notice out to the team this week that your job's not safe. I don't care who you are. Yeah, we have our select few in our head who we know are New York Giants to stay, and there's a slim group. But I love Big Will and I love Big Kev. I love those mean mollies on the line. But there's nothing to say that Judge and Gettleman haven't put these guys on notice saying, look, you're the starters, but we're bringing in guys to compete with you guys. And, you know, they might not beat you out this year, but if you don't hold it down for a couple of years, there's, these guys are going to be ready to take your job. And I'll tell you, I love Will Hernandez. Like I said, I haven't watched much film on our draft class yet, only the later round guys. But this Shane Lemieux kid is a mean motherfucker. I mean, this kid is a hog molly. He reminds me a splitting image of Will Hernandez almost. And we can get into this. We'll get into this later this week on um, specifics with these guys. But it it's just makes me so happy to hear that he's taking snaps at center this offseason. The one thing that I loved about Shane Lemieux, too, is when you watch some of his tape, is his ability to get to that second level. No, no, no. There's no ability. That dude wants to get to the second level. Right. I mean, he is looking for someone to punch in the mouth on every single play. And also, too, I saw his ability to pick up stunts. Like, he is looking for somebody to hit on every single play play so i love that you said that credit to shane lemieux too he looks nasty which i really love too so yeah gentlemen did a great job yeah so i mean and and back to him you know (laughs) it's funny now looking back on the draft because they were just saying oh the giants are interviewing uh justin herbert and this this and that well stapleton made a good point yesterday they were probably just asking herbert what lemieux's uh, knowledge of the games like and what they think of Shane Lemieux. I mean, what better way to use your offseason with the, the virus going on to just pick brains of other prospects of other guys? Do you think that when they talked to Andrew Thomas multiple times, they didn't ask about uh, Chase on from LSU at all or vice versa? It just I just see these little tidbits everywhere and it just shows that the staff is going above and beyond. And it all goes back to Joe Judge's um, – teacher background you know to me they are doing their research they're lifting no stone unturned and you know they're gonna do everything they can to make this team win or get this team 
on the right track. You know, Joe said yesterday, I don't want a bunch of independent contractors. I want a team. And that's quote sticks with me because, you know, I know we have our favorites on this team, but come training camp, this is an open camp and this is an open battle. I mean, the mo- most of this roster is up for grabs, in my opinion. Would you agree? Yeah, well, Joe Judge has mentioned that before, right? So, and I think Dave Gettleman has as well, where they're going to compete. You are going to compete for a starting job, right? And Joe Judge kind of set this precedent back when he was hired, when he was asked about Danny uh, Danny Dimes, right? Finally fucking cracked him this weekend. Finally said Daniel's name. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it, you have certain ones like Daniel Jones isn't losing his starting job to Colt McCoy or Alex Tanny. But I, I like the approach, though, in terms of exactly what you said. Nobody is safe. Everybody is going to earn their position on this team. I do like that a lot, and I agree. And especially with some of these uh, players that they really picked up in this draft just further adds to that. Well, yeah, and, and I think from a fan perspective for all of our friends that listen in and stuff is you just have to accept that. You know, when you change rosters like we have over the last couple of years, there's going to be a lot of turnover. And, you know, I know the last firing of Shermer to judge was kind of, it was short term because it was only two years, but we still spent two years worth of picks for those two years. And, you know, it's going to be a hard bolt to swallow when, um you know, some of these guys that we've fallen in love with the last two years might not be on the team or might not be getting the roles they want, you know? For example, I know he's not on the roster, but I'm a Marcus Golden guy, and I'm crushed that he's not back, but he's just simply not part of the plan, it seems like. And, you know, I think guys like Zoe Carter and X-Man and um, DeAndre Baker and the rest of the secondary got put on notice this weekend, you know. I think they they feel safe with their guys that they have on the O-line right now, but they now feel a lot better with the flexibility that they can grant there. I mean, for me, it's an open competition on the defense. Um, I know we have our questions on the O-line with Solder and stuff, but, you know, there's nothing to say that DeAndre Baker could lose his job to one of these guys. Is it far-fetched? Probably a little bit, but I mean, you know, something that we always had an issue with in the past was moving on from our mistakes. I'm going to do it again, and I know that people are getting annoyed with it, but the Belichick Patriots way is you move on from your mistakes, whether you spend a first round pick or an undrafted free agent contract on them. And I'm slowly seeing Gettleman doing that with our roster and he's not afraid. And he's a quote. I took to heart last week that he said was, and it goes for this whole class. Now that I look at it, I'm not afraid to draft over a position. And he surely did that multiple times this this past week. Yeah, I'm a little bit different with you on that. I don't think that we're getting rid of Baker um, after spending that first round pick on him after just one year. Getting rid of, no. But I'm not announcing him day one starter. Why? That's fine. If you don't want to announce him a day one starter and you want to make him work for it, that's, that's fair, That's right? all I'm getting at. But that goes back to what Joe Judge said in the beginning where well, who's your starting quarterback and he didn't grant Daniel Jones the starting quarterback. Like there are some things that I kind of like understood, but the purpose of that again was to let everybody know that every position is earned and not given. I don't think they're sending De- uh, DeAndre Baker to the bench. I don't think they're going to get rid of him. I don't think, and I don't think a 
fourth round pick is going to necessarily do that either. I don't think he's going to uh, end up taking over the spot for DeAndre Bacon. They play two different positions. I get what you're saying about the theme and everything. So let's move on to what you said regarding Golden and then more importantly, Solder. So now that we have our starting left tackle and we drafted Matt Pert, who probably won't be ready until 2021 season, people want to get rid of Nate Solder. The one thing that we had an issue with last year, Solder was hurt, uh, Zeitler was hurt, um, Remmers was hurt. You can never have enough depth on the offensive line. So I feel like that's something that the Giants finally got now, whether it be Nate Solder and Andrew Thomas starting that left tackle, right? You got Shane Lemieux and Nick Gates who can play the guard positions as well as center. You got Spencer Poley, Shane Lemieux, and Nick Gates who can all possibly take snaps at center. So then same thing with the right side of the line. You got depth at the guard position, again, with Shane Lemieux and uh, Gate. And then with the right tackle position, you got Fleming, you got Pert, and you got Gates who can play over there as well. I think that the Giants are in a really good position. I don't get the fans wanting to cut Nate Solder this year. If you cut Nate Solder this year, you save $3.5 million and $16.5 against the cap, right? Just looking at it pure financially, that $16.5 million is already a sunk cost. You can't get that back. That's it. It's done. It's gone. So I don't get wanting to get rid of offensive tackle depth to, to save $3.5 million. Depth is important. Let me tell you, you're not getting another offensive tackle the same level as Solder, even though his play has been down a little bit. You're not getting that same level of play in the free agent market for $3.5 million. So, and the people are like, oh, well, I want to cut Solder so I can sign Marcus Golden. If you sign Marcus Golden to even say a $6 million contract for one year, you're essentially signing him for $22.5 million. Because again, a $16.5 is a sunk cost. It's gone. You can't get it back. That's it. I really don't understand wanting to, to get rid of Solder. You want to move Solder to the right side of the line? Fine. If Andrew Thomas can come in, at the NFL level and play left tackle from day one, fine, move him to the right side of the line. Then you got Nick Gates, you got uh, Cam Fleming, and you got, no, that's it, right? You, you would have Cam Fleming and Nick Gates as your rotational depth. Oh, and uh, Matt Pert, I'm sorry. So you would have them as rotational depth. That's a good problem to have, especially when my co-host Murph is constantly talking about protecting Daniel Jones. I don't get wanting to cut Solder this year. What do you think, Murph? Uh, I think where that comes from is the emotional piece is fans are just we're sick of him getting daniel killed and it's just the uh, it's unknowledgeable to think that they're gonna move on from him i think that they probably already would have i'm not against them making a post june cut but like you said (laughs) why you know and i'm gonna go back to a point i made earlier this team is being set up so they can experiment in multiple facets of this roster. Something that Betcher, Shermer, and McAdoo never did. I know that's in the past and that that's the past, but those guys had seasons that went down the drain pretty quick and did nothing to adjust in in year to figure out what we can do better with this roster or how we can try this guy there. You know, for example, move Eric Flowers around or why didn't we uh, shuffle the airline up a little bit last year or or help help get some uh, blocking schemes with tight ends involved in it. You know, we never saw any of that experimenting and 
Joe Judge. Because Pat Shermer was a fucking asshole. That's why. Yeah, I mean, he just always was the know-it-all. And McAdoo was the same way. And that's fine. Guys can go about that. But for me, uh, you know, we need to experiment. Real quick, Murph. Let me cut you off, though. And I'll let you finish your point. Because you brought up McAdoo and Pat Shermer. Two coaches that want to control over the offense. They wanted to manage the offense on this team. Not Joe Judge. Joe Judge wants to coach and manage the team. He's not focused on one aspect. Let me cut you off now because I know you haven't looked at his presser yet. We talked about it, but it's funny you say that because he literally said last night, I am not your friend. That is what Coach Garrett and Coach Grammer for. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I don't care. Like, that might turn off some people. You know, this is the big bad NFL. These guys are professionals. They're adults. Well, you know what? Look at our fucking roster. Our roster is all kids. So this is the time where you get players to buy into this. This mentality that Joe Judge has and he's putting forward might not work with an extremely vetted locker room, but that's not us. That's not the Giants. We are a college team, like youngest roster in the NFL. So... Anyone who has a problem with the approach Joe Judge is taking, you know, I understand the being a little held back or unsure about it, but like he's going about this the right way and he's not going to be friends with these players. Yeah, Garrett and Graham might be a little bit softer and they might be the guys that play good cop, bad cop, but that's how I structured my lacrosse program when I coached high school lacrosse. So, you know, you, you got to have balance and Joe Judge is going to be the disciplinarian factor, but he's also going to be the leader. So uh, going back to my point on Solder earlier that, you know, for me, we've never really had the opportunity to experiment or never really had a staff that wants to experiment. And just cutting Solder just gives us one less option to experiment with. So, you know, for, for a team that's trying to figure out their identity on the line and have a lot of young guys and have a coach that they're familiar with, I'm not sure that getting rid of Solder is the best idea right now. But I will say if Dave and the staff have something up their sleeve where they would like to allocate that money to, well, then we could be talking kind of a little bit of different scenario. But I mean, that's going to be something that's very specific. I don't even have an example for you. No, that's not Marcus Golden or Jadavion Clowney. It would probably be some, some, some sort of trade scenario where they would need to allocate soldiers funds. But again, like you said, it's really not that much money. So at this point in time, I don't see why keeping Solder isn't isn't good, at least for the young guys' brains to be picked, you know? Again, I, this is why I probably sound like a homer, but when I think about things, I think about things financially, and usually I'll look at them from different perspectives as well. So I'm looking at this organizationally. From a financial perspective, $16.5 million is already a sunk cost. I have to add that $16.5 million to whatever it is I plan to do by releasing Solder. So if I want to bring back Golden, even even if I bring back Golden on three and a half uh, or a uh, six million dollar deal, it's costing me twenty two and a half million to bring in Golden because I cut Solder to do so. Well, well, let me ask you this: Is that that money that you get from cutting him going to help the team more than Solder's presence with the young guys? It, not necessarily Solder's play on Sundays. He might never even see the field this year. But is the value of cutting Solder worth it? compared to keeping him on this roster. That's what you have to ask yourself. And I can't honestly say yes. I'm going to throw it back to you then, Murph, and I'm going to ask you this question. Would you rather have Golden on this defense or would you rather have a player of Solder's potential or ability add depth to this offensive line? We just got done complaining that we didn't have an offensive line. So now Solder 
is a luxury? Yeah, I mean, for me, that's that's a tough question. Um, honestly, I think that I rather have Golden, and that's just because I see more in Golden's future than I do Solder's future in the league. Now that window is very small. Golden might have a year or two more left in the tank than Solder. But you have to ask yourself at the end of the day, who's got the better football IQ and who's going to help this team from day one, um, whether they're on the roster or not. So that's that's a good call. That's a very good question. Um, it's That's a tough one. And, you know, I think you should keep that around and we should ask some other people that too because um, that got me thinking a little bit different, you know. I do love Marcus Golden, but I also want to protect the king. And we got some young dogs, as or as Dave would say, Solder's got some puppies to train, so. Yeah, well, didn't Dave Gettleman also say after this draft as well in terms of about not having an edge guy that you can create sacks by scheme? He said what you would call a blue dog rusher um, <laughs> or a top dog, kind of like a bell cow in the defense. He's basically just saying that we don't have a stud star edge rusher, right. which is okay with me. I mean, um, but you can manufacture you know, those sacks by scheme, though, right? Well, why don't you just go into your your point on the three three five base defense? I mean, you know, there's a lot of different looks that we're going to be able to have, and for me, and taking Dave's words, that's just telling me that. They want guys that can do different things in different schemes. They don't want one guy that can do one thing in one scheme. Right. So after the Giants selected Darnay Holmes, a lot of people, or from what I saw, the reaction was a lot of people were questioning pick. Why are we taking a cornerback? We need an edge rusher. So now I think it was uh, Dan Schneier that put it out, right? So he was talking to um, someone. He did an interview with someone. And they expected the Giants to use a 3-3-5 base this year. So what's needed in that? cornerbacks <laughs> defensive backs right and what did the linebackers have in common that the giants took later on speed right so in a 335 you're using three down linemen three guys with their hand in the dirt using three linebackers one middle and you're and you're essentially using five uh defensive backs right so you would have two cornerbacks your two safeties and then your slot or nickelback that really explains the direction that the Giants took in this draft as well. Now, granted, they could maybe spend a lot of time at a three-three-five base, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to use a four-three or they're not going to use a three-four base package as well. They're going to they're going to base it on the opponent, and I think they're going to also base it on the opponent's weaknesses and tendencies. But the one thing that you need is speed at the linebacker position, which the Giants have. Is I, I, I know you said that you watched some of Cam Brown's film yesterday as well. And this is an athletic, long linebacker also. So can Golden fit? Yes, and he a can. Captain. And a captain. So can Golden fit? Yes, he can. But what is the one thing that I said to everybody, and I've even said on this podcast, prior to the free agency, prior to the draft, what is more important than having one edge rusher? You remember, Murph? Having a bunch of corners. No! Having depth at the position! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something... Sorry, I, I don't know what depth is because the Giants haven't had it in six fucking years at any position. So, um, no, yeah, you're right. Bro, so, think about that, Murph, and I'll let you answer. But think about that in terms of this 3-3-5 scheme, right? You only start in three linebackers. One of them is a middle linebacker, which is Blake Martinez. Getting that position's filled, right? Blake Martinez is going to probably get more snaps than he did in Green Bay. So that leaves you with Zoe. That leaves you with Fackrell. That leaves you with X-Men. That leaves you with Cam Brown. 
that leaves you with all these additional linebackers that the Giants picked up in this draft that they're going to use as a rotational depth. They're going to keep their legs fresh. They're going to rotate them in and out of packages. They're going to come up with different schemes, different stunts. I think this is exactly they're not how they're going to get gassed like every other fucking defense exactly. for the last four years. And not only that, too, how many defensive backs do we now have, right? You James Bradbury and DeAndre Bake slot as your starting outside corners. Then you got Jabril Peppers and Xavier McKinney, your starting safeties. Now, you talk about that slot corner and then possible rotational depth, right? So you talk about maybe taking DeAndre Baker off the field. You could do that for a guy like maybe Corey Ballantyne. Then you also have Grant Haley still on this team. Sam Beal. They also picked up Drew Askew from their XFL. They drafted Darnay Holmes. You got depth now in the secondary and at the linebackers crew as well for this rotational defense. And that was something that I banged the table for at the beginning, even prior to free agency. I talked about the importance of rotational depth. And now the Giants have it. This is interesting for me because we took Mr. Saquon in 2018 and it's been two years and the narrative around the league and and correct me if I'm wrong, but the narrative around the league with fans is it's a passing league, correct? Do you get that vibe a lot of the time? I know. I know running I backs do. don't matter. You know, yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm not gonna say that because I don't agree with that. But a, a lot of people. Well, that's think the that narrative, the right? Kind of, yeah, I mean, maybe among, amongst Giants fans, I don't know about the rest of the the league, but yeah, I think I do see it from some teams as other analytics. Teams as well. Yeah, analytics. You're right. <laughs> They're the ones that are that are leading this, but and that's fair. That's a fair argument. You know, the Super Bowl champion um, Chiefs have air raid Patrick Mahomes, and you know, I, I get it. You know passing wins in this league but running is where you win in the playoffs but back to my original point you know if this is a passing league don't you want to have a bunch of corners that can cover i mean don't you want to have flexibility in your dbs to allow them to interchange it's a good point snaps i guess my thing is like i know we were very concerned that we took three corners yesterday and we took did we, we take two or three last year? At least two. Corey and Baker. Was there one yeah, more? Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, love, love to me is a safety. But yeah, okay, you're right. So we did take three last year. And, um, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, we took three corners last year, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we Wait, wait, did. wait. Time out. Who says that? You got to do that voice again. No, that was Johnny Paraselli. We took three corners last year, <laughs> and we did it again this year, and we don't have a wide receiver. <laughs> But no, for real, like, I mean, honestly, Giants Twitter was pretty good this past weekend. But like my my point is, is one, Gettleman and Judge, after evaluating this offseason, figured they might not have the depth or guys they need in the secondary. And two, we just got to move on, man. This is a new regimen. You know, there's going to be roster change. You know, Joe Judge could have looked at this and be like, absolutely not. I'm out on Grant Bailey. Julian Love is playing safety. He's not going to play corner. Um, That leaves us with Bradbury and Baker. So we need some more. You know, Corey's going to be a special teams guy. You know, we don't know about all these conversations behind the scenes. And that's part of the the um, the fire you play with when you change staffs. You know, there's going to be some turnover. There's going to be some overdrafting. And I mean, Dave told us right in front of our face. I'm not afraid to draft over a guy. And if you didn't show up last year, you're going to be put on notice and you're going to have to battle for your job this this upcoming training camp. You get my point. You know, the, the roster turnover, you're going to have to accept some guys getting their jobs stolen. Yeah, that's a good point, Murph, uh, about this uh, new regime and about how they have no loyalty to any of these players from the year prior. And the one thing that we've seen is that they're going to have to work for a starting position on a team. 
nothing's going to be given to anybody. So, um, you know, is that good news for Sam Beal, who's constantly hurt, or uh, Grant Haley? We'll see. Now, we'll transition over to the one position that a good friend of the show, Mr. Jonathan Paraselli, uh, was upset about. He wanted us to draft a wide receiver since, what, round two, Murph? And the Giants walked away with none. <laughs> that dude was losing his damn mind after we took Holmes at three. I think he was all up on uh, Tyler Johnson. I can't even remember. Tyler Johnson, maybe, who continued to fall for like two rounds. Yeah, and then after he wanted uh, Mario Van Peoples, right? Uh, yeah, Donovan <laughs> People Jones. Does nobody know who Mario Van Peoples is? Or no. I have no idea. Oh, my God. All right. No, nah, but I, f- I feel like if you were to ask me our biggest weakness of the draft, I would probably have to say wide receiver, but. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yes, this was a stacked wide receiver class. We all know that. It's great for fantasy, blah, 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 blah. Does Danny Jones need a big red zone target? I completely 1,050% agree that Danny Jones Well, we've a said that target. on this show too, so. Yeah, and I mean, that's, look, when I think of wide receivers, I think of statues catching the ball in the end zone, going up for a jump ball, and a score in the game winning TD. You know, that's just what I imagine an elite wide receiver. And right now we don't have that guy on the roster. We, we got a lot of speed series. We got a lot of slot guys. We got a lot of route guys, um, possession guys, but we don't have a guy that can go up and get the ball and snatch it out of the two DB's hands for the game winning touchdown, like a Hakeem Nicks, uh, Plaxico Burris, um, someone like that. So, I think uh, we definitely could use that. That's definitely our probably biggest position weakness now going into the rest of the offseason. But I do have to say, after looking at the undrafted free agents, it was nice to see that they signed um, at least two guys that I was familiar with, Alex Mack and um, Benjamin Victor. Um, My best friend's an Ohio State fan. Shout out to uh, Lee Jenkins. Um, He's a dumbass Cleveland Browns fan, though, too. So we won't talk about that. So I watch a lot of Ohio State football with my buddies. They're big Ohio State fans. And Victor Benjamin, uh, or Benjamin Victor, uh, when I texted my boy yesterday, he said a couple things. Athletic, massive frame, fast, but super raw. Um, I guess he had a problem putting on some weight in college, but the dude is 6'4". So, um, you know, if we can get this kid on the white, yeah, me too. I mean, if we can get this kid on the the right weight program, um, and get him eating right and, and build some muscle into that core of his, you know, I don't see why he can't go. All he's got to do is play red zone ball. You know, we can move the ball with what we have in our wide receiver core right now. Um, but we need someone in the end zone. So the giants also brought in Austin Mack as well. Right. What did, uh, your friend say about that yeah he said he's a pretty good slot receiver yeah like we need another one of those yeah i mean you know again we're gonna have to replace tate and we always have to keep our eyes on shepherd so um you know tate's getting replaced eventually do you find it odd that both of these ohio state receivers uh decided to uh come play for the new york giants instead of dwayne haskins well i saw someone talking about that so did they have offers from the skins i don't know it's just any chance that we get to poke fun at dwayne haskins we will yeah yeah fuck them fuck the skins they had a horrible draft i don't care what anyone says yeah they got chase young but about after that they didn't fill any needs in my opinion you but, mean Brittany griner yeah Brittany griner um but no, like all in all, Daniel just needs a red zone guy. And, you know, we might not get that this year. And that's just going to make us have to rely on Mr. Ingram a little bit more if he can get healthy. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not sweating the wide receiver position. I'm really not. If we wanted to look at some free agent options, I mean, I looked at them and 
The only guys that I would really be okay with them even negotiating with would probably be Chester Rogers or Rashard Higgins. Other than that, it's a pretty doled down list. I mean, we have our vet in Tate, so I don't really see a need to bring a vet in. And there's really not that many vets out there. So, you know, I think they're comfortable with that position right now. I don't know. How are you feeling? I mean, for me, it's not that big of a deal. You know, we moved the ball well last year, so the new and improved O-line, that might let us move it a little bit more. Yeah, well, I saw a couple of highlights from uh, Benjamin Victor. It looks like the guy can ball. So the one thing that I hate about going off of highlights is that they're just at their highlight. It doesn't really address a whole lot of weaknesses. Uh, and I haven't watched a whole lot of Ohio State football. But uh, from what I saw, I mean, you know, as long as the guy can create separation, as long as he can win those contested catches, it's going to be a great addition to this team as well. The one thing that I think we're also going to see this year, too, is really uh, more usage out of Corey Coleman. So Corey Coleman looks really good, too. If he can play outside... I'm really intrigued to see how Jason Garrett's going to use all these weapons. But uh, having Benjamin Victor on this team uh, certainly helps, especially at that size and frame, six foot four, uh, to be able to go up and get some of those contested catches would really help. Because we know that we got uh, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. Golden Tate can play outside. Both are probably better in the slot. Uh, Darius Slayton could spread the field. Corey Coleman can also spread the field. So I understand the Giants not going wide receiver. I really didn't think it was that great of a need. I do understand that a possession wide receiver was a need, but I'm okay with them bypassing the position to address the offensive line and, you know, address the linebacker and DBs on this team. So Yeah, so when you kind of put it into perspective and you look back on Jason Garrett offenses of the years, he's always had that one big guy in his offense. But after that, after his Dez and after his T.O. or – uh, his Amari Cooper as of late, you know, he had a lunch pail crew, you know, it was guys that put their head down and went to work. I mean, uh, you know, the um, Miles Austin's and the uh, what's the guy there now? Uh, Gallup, you know, I didn't think Gallup was going to have as much of an incorrect uh, impact. Cole Beasley, you know, he's always had guys in his offenses that are um, they're grinders and they're not always top end guys. But I mean, for me, I feel like he definitely will want that one big possession receiver eventually, but it's something that we can afford to wait on now and hopefully maybe strike gold and undrafted free agency with we'll see. So as we get ready to wrap this up, I guess, let me ask you then, what do you think was the biggest weakness of this draft? Uh, well, I was going to say wide receiver. Um, but after that, I would have liked to add a fullback about you. I think Mr. Chris172 would enjoy that, wouldn't he? I know he would. Yeah, this guy gets hard for fullbacks. Uh, for me, you know, it's just wide receiver, fullback. And other than that, like, as crazy as it seems, we, we obviously we don't know who these guys are, but we can finally say we have some depth at positions, you know. Uh, I don't know, maybe another safety, maybe one more. Well, you know what? If at the safety position, too, you have love there. Love can rotate, so... I'm kind of okay with that, but I do have one though. I'm kind of disappointed that the Giants didn't pick up a back um, to complement Saquon Barkley. So I know that we got an undrafted guy. It looks like more of a speed guy. He averaged like 7.8 yards per Gary, but I think the Giants needed more of an inside the tackle type of running to pick up those hard three to four yards of Brandon Jacobs type. I think not getting a guy like that was uh, a disservice for me. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, you know, you got to remember they did sign Dion. I know he's 32, 33 years old, but... Um... Yeah, but he's another one of those pass catching backs. Oh, so you're talking you want a bruiser? Yeah, I need a bruiser. I, I, I... You wanted like, a, like an A.J. Dillon? I had A.J. Dillon in one of my mock drafts, so... 
for me, I want to keep Saquon Barkley fresh. I want, I want Saquon Barkley to be able to run outside the tackle. I want Saquon Barkley to be able to run some of those wheel routes. I want him to be able to run some of those routes over the middle out of the backfield as well. You know, but I don't want Saquon Barkley running right into a, a seven-man front when I need two yards, though. No, I, I, I totally get that. But that's part of drafting Saquon Barkley at or two, you know, to do it all. So I totally get it. I said that last year, you know, I knew last year was going to be a dive year. So I wanted to limit our hits on Saquon. And luckily we limited them, but in a bad way because he had an ankle injury, but I totally agree, you know, but who says, who says to rule out Goldman, I guess, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Goldman's not the answer from um, what we've seen from the past though, either. So, so what do we got? We got Saquon, we got, Deion Lewis, we got Goldman on the roster, and now we got this new kid, uh, Javon Leak, and then, of course, we have Mr. Uh, Jonathan Hillman as well. Yeah, and Elijah Penny, if you want to include him. Yeah, that's a lot of speed, um, so I, I do get your get your concern. I would like somebody who could go up the middle as well, but, you know. With Deion Lewis added to this team, I think that comes down to scheme, and this is something I think I said on our podcast with uh, Jonathan Pericelli, was, yeah, you can run a two-back formation with both pass catchers, right, and then split the defense. So, got to account for Saquon Barkley at a backfield, and you got to account for Deion Lewis at a backfield as well. Both can catch the ball. So, when it comes to wanting to spread that defense out, maybe open up the middle of the field, you know, your slot guy, Daniel Jones, quick over the middle to a tight end, Evan Ingram or Golden Tate, something to that nature. That's why I think they got the two pass catches, but I still think that we're lacking the guy that can pick up the two yards where needed. If uh, Eli Penny's that guy, great. I don't think he's as good of a runner that was available in this draft. I, I definitely like. I would definitely agree. I want a, a bruiser, but then again, and I keep doing this, but going back and looking at Jason Garrett's history, he usually has a bell cow and he usually has a pass catcher. That's just kind of how his offense runs. And, you know, from a, from a whole offense stand offensive standpoint you know i think we're going to be a very run heavy team with a shit ton of play action and danny's going to make his money in the play action game well overall i gotta say that following the drift i feel pretty good about it and i think most giants fans do i think that most giants fans are happy we've seen some raving reviews from the folks over at pff yeah dude how funny is that man not even just pff literally every media outlet is just like it's like we've been tearing them up for a year and they're sick of our shit so they're just all putting out good content about the giants now so we leave them all alone i, I mean it just, just comes back to the old cliche right i mean silence is silence critics and i think that's exactly what dave gettleman did i don't blame dave gettleman for 2018 i know a lot of fans do but i'm sorry i believe he was under a directive to win now under any means necessary saquon barkley is a great pick but dave gettleman also loves his hog mollies etc so i don't know i'm going to give dave gettleman the benefit of the doubt for 2018 for me dave gettleman's time on the clock started with last year's draft and so far it looks like he did pretty well in that one as well picking up daniel jones uh dexter lawrence deandre baker the verdict still out picking up darius slayton later in that draft so and then this year he seemed to kill it i, I think dave has nailed the draft so far you know and i uh put a tweet out there as well and a lot of fans seem to think so as well 
the issue that they have with Dave Gettleman has been his free agent signings and his trades, which again, I can, I can understand that the rest remains to be seen. Yeah. Dave, just like no other person is perfect in this world. And he's definitely had some blunders. And, you know, again, I've said it a couple times on today's pod, like good GMs move on from their mistakes. They don't care how those mistakes were acquired, whether it was a first round pick or an undrafted free agent, you move on when the error is there, when you know, it's done, it's done. And we got caught with that for way too long with way too many players. And um, you just have to be able to cut your losses and eat your pride a little bit. And, and Dave has eaten his pride a little bit. He's still going to fuck with the media. You know, he gets them under their skin or he gets under their skin. Like it's, it's his job. It's so easy for him. And, you know, I think there's a reason he does that, but Dave Gettleman has some balls. And when Dave Gettleman's guy is there, whether it's on the free agency market, the trade market or the draft board, he's going to get them. And I can, I can appreciate that. You know, we shit all over that man for taking Daniel Jones. The entire nation did that worked out for him. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the Leo trade can at least come to fruition a little bit and like be a positive for this team and, and make get, Gettleman look like he made at least a semi-good decision. You know, again, the dude has balls. He's a poker player, and he's going to do what he thinks is best for this team, whether it's the popular opinion or not. And and I got to respect that. And, you know, I think Joe Judge is kind of the same way. They're a little bit different in personality, but I think their approach is pretty similar, and it's kind of their way or the highway mentality, and they'll figure it out themselves. And I, I can't say I'm not. I'm disappointed with anything that happened this weekend. Still think we have a little bit ways to go, but I definitely think we're a better football team today. So in lieu of this week's clown grade downgrade, we are going to bring you the sights and sounds of the draft brought to you by Jonathan Pericelli. Dave Gettleman's on the clock right now with Miami saying, hey, the Chargers want to trade up. What do you want to do? Dave Gettleman's like, they're offering seven first. What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm at 640. Why the fuck am I so far behind everyone? I'm at I'm going to ESPN Deportes. Fuck this. Oh, my God. I can't breathe. No, but top right is 15 seconds above us. You go? Oh, shit. No. I can't breathe. I'm feeling kind of dizzy. Oh, my phone's blowing up. Something probably happens. Nothing happened, Johnny. Oh, shit. Come on, Giants. Get on the Say that oh, and my God, pick what, what just happened? Did we trade the pick? Oh, I can't do it again, man. I cried last year when we picked Jones. Johnny, you're a fucking mess, dude. Minute 45. We have not picked yet. Come on, Gettleman. Good top right. <laughs> Thank you, too. Oh, shit. Is Gettleman asleep at the wheel right now? What's happening? We're already at a minute and a half. This is a pick in. Oh my god! I got. I don't have. I can't hear. So. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> what if we pick a fucking quarterback? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> the pick is in. Ah oh shit! We didn't fucking trade. Oh my god! Fuck! We didn't trade the pick. Damn! Following this 2019 season. Because more picks is better. Hold on, Fire. babe. We're picking. Don't show me good memories and fuck my mind, man. Pat Shermer, I hate you. Give me a good one, Judge. God, Judge looks like a serial killer. Him and Daniel Jones are going to get along. So other than that, that's pretty much all we got today on Murph and the Mage. We're going to have some good content for you this week with our, buddy, our good friend Pat Regazzo. 
Um, and uh, look forward to that content. We're going to do a little bit more breakdown of these guys where today we just kind of talked about it. And uh, other than that, that's pretty much all I got. Mage, what you got? Anything else? Uh, that's it, brother. All right, New York, New Jersey. That's all we got for today. Look forward to another episode this week, and uh, we'll hear from me on the Twitter line. Go Giants.